Everybody, everybody have a good Christmas? I pray that you did. I pray that you had a peaceful, peaceful Christmas and a sleepy new year. (laughs) Does anybody stay up to midnight and like watch the ball drop? Yeah. It was, it it felt like it was late. On our phones, it was counting down. Yeah, blame it on COVID. It was COVID. Made it, made it late, 30 seconds late. So no, but, but we stayed up, you know, where we are the sweatpants in the living room watching the Rockin' Eve on NBC or ABC or whatever it was, but we had a good time. But does anybody make resolutions? And here are you a resolution person? Yes. I'm a goal setter, you know, so I, I set a series of goals each year, but it's not, you know, just tied down to January 1st. I'll kind of go back and visit other things. Um, so not a lot of resolution setting people in here to like stick to it and be like, this is my, my routine from here on out. Well, uh, you are not alone because a lot of Americans, I will read some statistics that are kind of shocking, kind of not. Uh, but can anyone guess the top resolution that Americans make? That's number two. To lose weight, you must exercise more. Number one, exercise more. Number two is lose weight. Number three, get organized. Number four, learn a new skill or hobby. Number five, live life to the fullest. Okay, (laughs) that's very, put it on a sign in your kitchen. Number six, save more money, spend less money. Number seven, quit smoking. Number eight, spend more time with family and friends. Number nine, travel more. And number 10 was read more. These are great, but according to a poll of 2,000 Americans in the New York Post found that it takes just 32 days for the average person to finally break the resolutions. But 68% report giving up the resolutions even sooner than that. So I hope everybody feels motivated this morning. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that we absolutely need vision. We absolutely need goals. I think it's a biblical principle. Um, but most radical changes in our life are not sustainable unless they're motivated by something greater than ourselves. Right, like if I want to exercise uh, more, which is one of my goals for the year, it's not because, ooh, I'm going to be awesome. I'm going to be like, wow, look at these abs and all this stuff. No, I want to not be out of breath when I'm chasing my toddler across the house. <laughs> Goodness, guys, the yesterday I was trying to throw away the trash, and I put my son, who's almost two down, and was about to put him in the car in the driveway, and in a split second. I didn't t- tell you this yet. He, run t- he runs towards the ravine because there's a giant creek and a drop-off on the other side. And it's just like, yeah, and there's bobcats outside. It's, it's just a forest. And I, I, it's like a movie moment. I grabbed his arm as he was falling <laughs> into the creek. And I saved him. I got to clean up shoes, but it's better than like a broken arm. So we're good. So I want to exercise more to be able to catch him quicker. <laughs> So he's not falling, but like almost falling. That's, that's my resolution to be a little, a millisecond faster. <laughs> so uh, on January 1st, I didn't feel a lot different when I woke up. I felt a lot more tired than most nights because again, we did stay up until midnight. <laughs> um, but al- although the change into a new year is an important marker in our lives, Could it be that God is calling his people to listen for the shifting of seasons more often than just the new year, right? Because life consists of seasons. Genesis 8, 22 says, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, 
Summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So today we're going to be talking about understanding your season and why it's important to understand the season that we're in and the season that God is moving you towards. Okay? So there are things produced, learned, matured, and stewarded in certain seasons that are not as prominent as in others or even possible in others because God uses seasons and stages of life to develop us as believers into maturity and to fruitfulness. Because although the fruit of the Spirit is always in season, there are specific things I believe that God is wanting to highlight to you about the time that you're in. The sons of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12 were, quote, known by this. They understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. I pray that God reveals to you the spiritual season that you're in so that you are fully aware of what he is doing and what he wants to do in your life. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this group of believers. We thank you for your church. Lord, we ask that you would illuminate your word, Lord, that it would bring revelation to each heart this morning, and therefore transformation, that you would renew our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 15. We won't read it just yet. But we have to understand that it's so important to understand your season because we are people who, like in Psalm 1-3, if we can throw it up there, we are people who are planted like trees by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Whatever you do prospers when you are rooted in him. It's so important to understand your season because it's going to lessen your frustration and grow your hope once you recognize that God works in us through seasons and time. Anybody heard time heals all wounds? Contrary to popular belief that is not in Proverbs, <laughs> it is a false statement. Time does not heal wounds because if it did, there would be no bitterness, there would be no unforgiveness, everything would be great, right? But no, God uses time as a tool. Time is a tool to bring forth good things. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has made everything beautiful in its what? In its time. God is bringing forth beautiful things. But if we get caught up in what is not made beautiful already, if we get caught up in what is not being produced or manifested today in this season, we may miss the beautiful, important things that he has placed before us right now and what he is using to develop us and to bring us into spiritual maturity. To understand the season you are in, we need to ask a series of questions. Number one, how do I produce fruit? How do I produce fruit? Sorry, so we're in John chapter 15. Y'all got there before me, so let me get there. I'm gonna take a drink of water. Is that acceptable for everyone? Can we pause? Don't read ahead, don't read ahead. All right, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, the vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Other translations say gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. So what does it mean to abide? We gotta define this word. After a person accepts Christ and is forgiven, he or she receives a gift of eternal life, which centers around a personal relationship with Christ and includes the power of the Holy Spirit to sustain and develop that relationship. But given that power comes great responsibility. (laughs) Anybody seen Spider-Man this week? It's a great movie. You should go see it. But right. But given the power of the Holy Spirit comes a responsibility that we must accept to stay spiritually connected and dependent to Christ. The word abide here is a Greek word called meno, means to remain, continue, or live. To put abiding or meno into practice, what does this look like in the Christian daily life? Spending time in the word. It's so important that we spend time in the word to get his word inside of us, to be renewed and to be transformed. If we don't feel like we're hearing anything from God, let's read what he already said. This is our primary revelation. He's never gonna contradict himself. This is where we learn his character. Therefore, we learn his nature. And so we know his tone. So whenever we hear God's voice, we recognize that it's him because we already know what he's like. Reading the word, it's so important that we spend time in the word. Second, we need to maintain a habit of prayer, right? Praying, constantly putting your requests before him and listening to the Holy Spirit, listening for his response, obeying his commands and therefore demonstrating love for him and for others. And my notes are in a different place. (laughs) Following the Holy Spirit's direction. Yes, Lord. There it is. We follow the Holy Spirit's direction. That's what abiding in him looks like. It's spending time. It's understanding that the Holy Spirit is an advocate for you, and he is the greatest friend. He really is. When you understand that friendship with God is something possible and available for you, it's going to change your perspective on everything. When you abide in him, when you remain, when you continue on, when you live and depend on him, it changes your perspective on everything. And it grows a wonderful treasure in your heart that's going to overflow. We need to abide. Number two, how do we grow fruit? We sow. We sow. The parable of the sower in Matthew 13, as what I preached on last time I was up here, I love, I love that parable because it demonstrates a lot of principles in the Christian life. But what we're talking about today is the word of God is sown on different types of ground as purpose to produce fruit in our life. And my prayer for your heart And your life is that it's like good ground, that it's sensitive to God's word and the Holy Spirit and is so, so fruitful. The principle of sowing is a biblical principle. So just like we, you know, know, time does not heal all wounds, false, fact check, karma is not a cute word for Christians. Karma is not in the Bible, right? Karma is a Hindu concept. I hope I'm not hurting anybody's feelings. Y'all are very quiet, right? (laughs) Okay, so karma, the word karma is a Hindu concept. It's a a demonic belief system that shadows God's work and grace in our lives. Can I be real with everybody today? Can I talk about it? Okay, all right. So uh, at its root, karma says that everything is up to the work of man. That's what it is. You can see 
where the lines can be blurred between the blurred between the supernatural principle of godly sowing and what karma is because there are natural consequences in life whether positive or negative but at the end of the day the truth is this god has the final say not man so i'm not going to be tied to a system that says because i didn't put my blinker on that means i'll lose some money or something like it's just kind of ridiculous when you think about it but it's not a cute word so i challenge you to remove it from your vocabulary if you're a believer right god goodness i hope i didn't offend anybody it's quiet. I know we're all tired. All right. So God has the final say, not man. Sowing and reaping is a biblical principle. Psalm 126, 5 through 6 says this. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. That doesn't sound like a natural consequence of if I'm sowing in tears, I'm going to reap in joy. That's not what happens in the world. That's not what happened naturally. That is a supernatural fruit of whenever you are connected to what God is doing, things start to work in your favor. Whatever you do prospers. When you are rooted in him, when you abide in him, you're going to prosper. You're going to produce good fruit. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. Somebody needs to hear that today. 1 Corinthians 6 through 7. I, this is Paul talking, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but it is God who gives the increase. Another translation says makes things grow. And Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite verses. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Come on, I'm going to read this again. Y'all just extend your hands and receive this today. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. It is clear that God is the one who makes the seed grow. I say this to encourage you today because the curse of sin is broken, the sinful nature, the seed of Adam. Jesus even talks to the disciples and talking about his death and resurrection, saying unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, that is the only way that it can reproduce and produce fruit, right? We now live by the Spirit and answer to God's spiritual and supernatural principles. So we have this honor and this responsibility to co-labor with God and to put to good use the seed he has given us here on earth. One of the first commands is Genesis 1:28: be fruitful and multiply, right? So what is the seed? What is the seed? What do I have? Your time and attention, your resources, money, and more. Anything that you can offer to God, knowing he will bless it and multiply it, can be seed. You can turn anything to seed. Similar in the way that we as believers can turn some of the most mundane tasks into worship. That we know that worship is adoration and affection and devotion to God. So I can turn my time doing the dishes into worship. I might not have time to go soak in the prayer closet for two hours. But I can say, Lord, I'm taking care of the things that you've given me. And I dedicate this to you. Worship. Resources can be seed. The love that you show for others can be seed sown into good ground. 
Matthew 17, 20. Faith is a seed, right? Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. God can use your seed to make an incredible impact on the kingdom of God. You just have to be willing to abide in him and so. In the feeding of the 5,000, they were looking for something to break and to multiply. And what did they have? Nothing except a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread. And what did Jesus do? He took the seed, he took the sacrifice of the young boy's meal, he lifted it up to God and he blessed it, he offered it, and he broke it, and that seed was multiplied to feed more than 5,000 people, because it's only recorded 5,000 men plus women and children. Right? So, a lot. <laughs> and so much that there were 12 baskets left over. The Bible doesn't record what happened to those 12 baskets. I believe that it probably got sent home with that little boy to his family. And to feed his family and his community. Because God honors the seed and he honors the blessing. And he honors multiplication and obedience. Amen? Amen. All right. So, what fruit is being produced? To understand the season that you are in, we need to look at what fruit is being produced in our lives. We find out by observation, first and foremost, Luke 6, 43 through 45. I'm going to read this. Y'all can turn with me there if you want. Luke 6, 43 through 45. Jesus is saying, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the goods stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. We must be aware of what is being planted in us. If you don't like the fruit and the results of how your life is going, what is going in? What is being sowed into you? I'm not saying that you are responsible for every negative thing that happens to you. I'm not saying that. Don't let shame attack you this morning. I'm saying what things are you allowing into your life? There are some things we can't control, but what are you allowing to be stored up into your heart? What are the things that you're finding, you're saying that you're like, wait a second, that doesn't line up with God's word. That's, that's pretty negative, you know? What, what are the things that we are finding are our default reactions to situations? A really good way to know how you're growing fruit is to recognize the reaction that you have when something happens to you, right? So if, if I get a phone call that, you know, like, oh my goodness, like, this is happening and this is happening and this is happening, but my first reaction is peace, whew, I can be like, Wow, God is working in my life. <laughs> that, you know, last week I didn't have peace. I had like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? My head's cut off like a chicken. <laughs> right? But I understand that God is growing peace in me because I am intentionally taking care of my spirit man and I am aware of what is being sown in my life. We also need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what fruit is here in this season. This is a practice that I have allowed, uh, that's allowed me to hear the Lord's voice about being present. You know, we hear the term a lot, be present. I was like, I, I cannot be any more present. I am here 
I am not yesterday, I am not tomorrow, I am here. So I don't know what you want me to do with that information. <laughs> I'm a very application kind of person, if you cannot tell. <laughs> so I, I love, you know, Lord, give me a tool to use to really recognize and, and hear what you're doing and see what you're doing. And he, he told me, ask, what fruit are you producing in your life right now? And I was like, well, the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, the fruit of the Spirit is always in season, but I believe that God is going to highlight to you a couple things specifically that he is using in your life and developing. Maybe you need more peace. Maybe you need more gentleness. Maybe you need courage this morning. You need love. There's fear in your life. What's the antidote for that? Love. Love casts out all fear. So this is a practice that has brought gratitude in my life and taught me what it means to be present, to be aware of what God is doing in the moment. If I don't know what's going on, if I don't have clarity about why I'm in the season that I'm in, I ask this question, what fruit is being produced? Right? So, like I said before, there are things produced, learned, matured, and stewarded in certain seasons that are not as prominent or even possible in others. There are some very rare flowers. You're going to get a horticulture biology lesson today. You didn't know it. Um, very rare flowers that only bloom in specific environments. They're so rare that they're often very expensive, hard to find, or almost impossible to grow outside of their natural habitat. Number one, the ghost orchid. Does anyone know about these things? Oh, you already knew about it. Well, you put the slides in. You already knew. Mara, you already knew. You read ahead. <laughs> the ghost Orchid, named after the shape of its petals, it's a beautiful flower, the ghost orchid is listed as one of the most rare flowers of the world because it requires high temperatures and high humidity to grow. So Georgia should be perfect. <laughs> Especially in Christmas time. <laughs> it's supposed to like snow this week or it's gonna get down to 30 and it was 80 the other day. Lord help us. <laughs> Making it almost impossible to cultivate outside of its natural habitat. The plant has no leaves, does not depend on photosynthesis, therefore does not manufacture its own food. Does anybody have any middle school biology class like triggers going on right now? Photosynthesis. Everybody, peace in Jesus' name. Peace. So because it doesn't manufacture its own food, it's linked, has to be linked with another plant to get sufficient energy. The stem and the flowers appear green in color with whitish petals. Ghost orchids are found in Cuba, Florida, the Bahamas, and only bloom for three weeks between April and August. Even if you get close enough to the flower, you may not be able to spot a ghost orchid because it says boo and it's gone. Um, but the fact of moat's natural habitat getting destroyed makes it even rare. <laughs> they get my joke. All right, <laughs> the second one. We're going to learn today the catapult flower. <laughs> the catapult flower, AKA the queen of the night. This one was one of the most interesting ones for me um, because it's a cactus blossom that rarely blooms and therefore is considered one of the rarest flowers in the world because it only blooms at night and withers away at daybreak. Very sad, very short life, but beautiful life. It grows mainly in the wild among decaying matter around trees, but it emits its own pleasant smell. While some report this flower only grows in Sri Lanka, others says that, um, say that the flower can also be found in India, Japan, China, and even several Latin American countries. It is, however, close to impossible to find one in the wild as it blooms rarely and only at night, so spotting it is difficult. 
So the third one, does anyone want to have a, a guess at how you pronounce this? Nope. <laughs> this is the Puya Raimondii, and we have a special science video to watch about this. Peace in Jesus' name. No more biology class after this. <laughs> it's a bit of a hike to the top of UC Berkeley's Botanical Garden, but Director Paul Licht says if you look closely, you will see plants from areas all over the world. And then there's this. You're looking at something you'll probably never see again in your lifetime. This Puya Raimondii, also known as the Queen of the Andes, was planted from a seed brought back by a research expedition to Bolivia. It has been sitting here quietly for 24 years. And one day, it suddenly did something that looked different. The Puya began to bloom. That may not seem like a big deal until you realize that in its native environment, the plant usually takes 80 to 100 years to do that. That makes this the world's youngest blossoming Andean queen ever. I've been here 11 years and I've checked it every year, dreaming it might bloom and so I could see one in my lifetime. It's only taken a month for the bloom to get this big, but a month from now it could be 30 feet tall and covered with more than 30,000 flowers. The plant normally grows above a 12,000-foot elevation. So why is it thriving in Berkeley? They're adapted for cold, dry conditions with bad soil. That doesn't mean that's what they'd rather be doing. <laughs> they just don't have any choice. <laughs> the Bond family, visiting from Vermont, got to see this once-in-a-lifetime event. At first, they weren't that impressed. But as soon as you hear him starting to describe the life cycle and the process, you know, this becomes a fascination. We'll be talking about this forever. Cool, right? There will be a pop quiz after service. Hope you paid attention. No, 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 no. No, my favorite part about that video is how happy that guy is. Because he's like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime event. This is crazy. This is so unnatural. You could almost say it's supernatural. Like these rare plants... There is a rare treasure and a destiny hidden in each of us that under the right circumstances and in just the right time will come to fruition. Amen? There is something hidden in each of you, this treasure, something unique to you that God has placed in your life, whether it's a dream, whether it's a promise that's going to come about in just the right time and in the right season. Maybe it's sooner than you think. The fruit of the Spirit, again, is always in season, but let's get specific in our observation about what the Lord is doing now. What is he growing in my life? What is the season teaching me? What is this stage of life set for? This is going to allow you to fully embrace his work and his leadings. The season of my life right now looks a lot like diapers, and getting peed on and kicked on, or kicked out, <laughs> not kicked on. Um, but it, it, it's motherhood and it's, and it's ministry and it's figuring things out. It's, you know, being young and married. It's, it's a lot of learning right now. It's a lot of challenges, a lot of quick change in a short amount of time. Anybody right, right there with me? Even if you're not a mother, you can experience, you know, it, this is a lot of change in my life that's going on. So I, I have to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, instead of getting in my feelings about what I can or can't do right now, I can say, Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me? And that invites gratefulness into the picture. 
That in, allows me to see what he's doing in my life. And I can fully embrace his work and his leadings. So this year is very exciting personally for Cody and I because in March we'll be recording our first live worship album here at the church. We're very excited. Over the past year, we uh, incognito secretly put original songs into the worship set um, mainly so we could know if it was bad, you would tell us the truth. <laughs> and not just like, oh, that's your song, that's a great song. <laughs> no, but we, we really did want to test the waters and see if it connected and see if people could, could latch onto the prayer that was in the song and worship with it. But one of my favorite songs, even though they're, they're all my favorite songs, is something very personal to me, uh, the song called Satisfy. We haven't done it in a little bit, but... It says, in every season you satisfy me. In the morning, in the evening, I feel your mercy. You are more than I could ask for, imagine, or dream. And can I tell you something? When I recorded that voice memo, the wiggles were playing in the background. <laughs> I have cocoa melon on most of my recordings <laughs> in the background. So, but that's the season of life that it is. And I'm going to keep those and treasure those forever. Because I'm going to remember those moments that I had alone with Walter, my son, and with Jesus. And it's precious. It's precious. I will never get some of these times back. So I must value and be present of what the Lord is doing now. It doesn't omit having vision. That doesn't mean that, oh, this season's really hard. I'm grateful. Thank you, Lord. Give me more pain. More pain. I welcome it. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that even in the hardest seasons, you can learn faithfulness. And you can learn how to say, Lord, I am open to whatever you want to do in my life. Right? So I wrote this song after feeling very overwhelmed in my life by change, not knowing what I was doing and what I did know how to do, that I was either, it was either more challenging than ever or I was just flat out failing. But I realized that God is teaching me something I would have never learned in easier circumstances. I was being refined, disciplined, and so, so loved and comforted. In a less challenging season, I would forfeit the fullness of learning about these parts of God. For example, if we're never broken, how can we know the healer? Right? He makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I knew that the hard and lonely and rough moments wouldn't last forever. I know that. That makes me anchored in hope. But I have this. He is always with me. He never changes. He is faithful and dependable. And in different stages of life, I can always hold on to the promises of his nature. And I remember the personal promises he's made to me and my family. So in the bridge, we wrote this. And we declare this over your lives as we're worshiping and our own lives as we're worshiping. We say, Jesus is Lord. He will always be exactly who he says he is. My healer, protector, provider, my best friend, the prize I'm running after until the very end. My eyes are locked on you, beautiful king of kings. You sing over your bride. So we lift up our hands and sing your everything I ever wanted, you are everything I need. You fulfill every part of me. 
I was made for loving you. In every season, you satisfy me. Amen. Somebody needs to hear that today. Whatever season that you are in, God can fully satisfy. He can fully satisfy. So another question we need to ask the Holy Spirit and observe in our lives to understand our season is what is God pruning? What is he pruning in my life? Back in John 15, verse 2, he says, every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it bear, may bear more fruit. Who's excited about God pruning you? That sounds really fun. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. I can't wait to be pruned and to be disciplined. It's going to be so, so fun. Yay! <laughs> right? Right, no. <laughs> Definition of pruning is to trim by cutting away dead or overgrown uh, branches or stems, especially to increase, increase fruitfulness and growth. I need a hair trim. Alec Dobson, I'm glad you're gone right now because you can't see my split ends. But right, but when you trim your hair, it, it, it allows more health and more growth to come in, right? You could go by and do whatever you want and let it get all tangled and stuff, or you could ignore the weeds that are growing in your garden, but it's not going to allow the most of it in the most of your circumstances, right? Are, are there dead things in your life that need to be cut away? Old habits, belief systems, contrary to a spirit-led life. Are there distractions that will cloud your vision from what God is placing before you? Are there things in your life that God is calling you to remove. Sometimes he will remove them without our permission, <laughs> right? That's always like, surprise, I took care of it for you. <laughs> Thanks, God. <laughs> that was fun. I wish I would have listened the first time. I would have done it by myself, but no, but it's okay because we learn. So there is a season of life where both Cody and I were feeling the grace lift, and that's a very Christian term, but what does grace lift mean? That means we feel the peace of God, of being in the will of God at a certain place begin to be removed, you know, and sometimes you have to press forward and say, no, I'm going to fight for peace. And sometimes you need to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, hey, it's time for transition. So we both knew in our hearts that it was the time for transition, but each of us said, you know, let's just wait to make a move. I mean, it'd be better for everybody. Instead, we stayed there while we weren't supposed to. So God used uh, that to teach us um, lessons, and that was really fun. That was a really fun time. <laughs> no, there wasn't any like extreme like thing that happened, a moral failure or something, but it was an extreme discomfort that any emotionally secure person would understand it's time. <laughs> it's time to go. It's time to move on. Um, and, and so we, we learned from that. And, but even like physical labor, bringing forth a child, sometimes it takes a demanding, uncomfortable process to remove something out of one place to somewhere that it can live, grow, and thrive. There's a pruning that has to take place. Sometimes it might look like good things are being pruned out of your life, but they're unnecessary for the season that you're in or you're about to go in. And how do we know? It really takes the discernment of the Holy Spirit and to be abiding in him so we are dependent on him and we listen to his voice closely. We understand the, the, the peace of God will be where the will of God is, right? So we have to be close to him and listen. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline 
seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I'm going to tell on myself for a second. I told Cody that he wasn't allowed to ever, ever, ever utter this in public. But now I guess you can because I'm about to say it anyway. I don't know. So (laughs) whenever I was like 12, 13, just the throes of awkward teenage puberty, I was like, you know what's happening right now? People are getting on YouTube and they're preaching the gospel. I'm going to be one of those. I'm going to preach the gospel. So I set up my little like Nokia camera in my room with my zebra print chair you're just setting the, the, the tone for the early 2000s. So it was a disaster. I put my preaching blazer on. I put my glasses that were not yet prescription. These are real. I, I can't see my Bible without them, but they were fake. They were like the big SpongeBob glasses that were cool back in the day. And I was like, I'm going to open up the Bible. I'm going to get a word for the nations at like 13. <laughs> Amen. If that's you, all blessing. It was not me. It was not my season. It was not the Lord's will at the time, but I learned something out of it because I forgot that I had recorded that video until we were dating and he found my old laptop and was looking through family photos like, oh, you look so cute in this. What is this? (laughs) Oh my goodness. My YouTube name was Miss Legitimacy. You can laugh. It's okay. Miss legitimacy because Hebrew says we are disciplined into legitimate children of God. I didn't spend a long time naming that. I should have, I should have done something a little bit less cringy, but it will follow me forever because the internet never dies. (laughs) No, no, it was terrible. So whenever I'm annoying Cody, he's like, all right, Miss legitimacy. Goodness. Goodness, God needed to prune away some things, and that thing was my camera um, in my early years. So, in my glasses, my SpongeBob glasses, and prune that away. So, what is God pruning? You need to ask the Holy Spirit this year, Lord, what are you removing from my life to make room for fruitfulness and to make room for increase? The last question that we need to ask to fully understand and embrace the season that God has us is, has us in, am I honoring God with my first fruits? This is going to propel you into your next season and make the most of where you are today. So what is the first fruits? The first fruits were the best of the harvest that the Israelites were instructed to offer to the Lord. This Old Testament sacrifice was commanded along with the tithe 10% 10% is, it's actually a Hebrew word, maser, a tenth part of the harvest to be given to the Lord. This practice did not dissipate with the coming of the new covenant. To view tithe and offering as an out-of-date requirement misses the point of God's call for us to be generous and willing givers, which there are plenty of New Testament references for. Giving financially is not the end-all, be-all. That's not what I'm speaking about a lot today, but tithing is simply a fruit of a life submitted to God. It's one way that we honor God with our best. It's how we sow. It's how we give generously and obey the Lord. To be a generous people is to say we honor God with every part of our lives, including our resources. I want to honor God with every part of my life. But if I'm giving, if I'm a faithful tither, if I sow and I offer and I, and I you know, bless people financially, 
but I am a jerk, <laughs> and I don't sow the best of my attitude towards my family and towards my community, what does that say? There's fruit in your life that needs to be developed, not just in the surface level of things. We need the roots to grow deep in our hearts, right? To honor God with my first fruits is to make him priority. To honor God with my first fruits is to be thankful for what I have and for what he's doing in my life. To honor God with the first fruits is to recognize that it's him who makes the seed grow and multiply. Remember 1 Corinthians 3, 7? And it has been my duty and my honor to participate. To honor God with my first fruits to sow and to invest back into what he's calling me to. Whether that is your time with your family, caring for your community, serving your church, or building the dream that he has placed in you. We are called to be responsible believers and spiritually mature, but always dependent and yielded and abided in Christ. To disregard the fruit of the season is to lose the seed. When you crack open a piece of fruit, what do you find? You find seed for the next season. To, we can't lose the seed. It's gonna carry on and bless the next season, and not only for your life, but the people around you and the generations to come after you. Once you understand the season that you're in, you're gonna be able to help others know their own seasons and properly work the collective ground of the kingdom of God through his church and through his people. Let's stand up, let's pray. Understanding the season we're in requires us to abide in him, to sow seed in faith, to observe and listen carefully to the Holy Spirit about the fruit that's being produced, and to honor him with our first fruits. Let's just extend your hands like we're receiving from heaven this morning as a prophetic act. I pray that God reveals to you today and this week about what this season, and specifically what 2022 holds for you and your family. I pray great blessing supernatural increase and multiplication, protection over your fields, protection over your home, wisdom and godly discretion, and the wonderful gentle discipline of the Holy Spirit to mature you into who he has called you to be. Holy Spirit, that you would come in and illuminate the word of God, that you would open our ears to hear you about direction, about transition, about what fruit is being produced in our life, what you want to prune, what you want to bring forth. Lord, I ask that you would bring fruitfulness and great increase, godly increase in Jesus' name. We love you and we receive you today and everything you have for us. We thank you. In your name we pray.